This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Do you want to learn how to optimize your performance through spirituality? I have an amazing workshop coming up on August 17th, and it's free workshop. You can join online, and I'm going to dive deep in understanding and sharing with you principles on how to truly create effortless action, which leads to effortless success, how to get out of the trap of the grind and the hustle, how to get out of the trap of thinking you have to work harder, trading your time for money, and how you have to put more effort in to make more money. I'm going to share a whole different reality and a whole different experience that I've done personally, and I've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs do the same thing. So in order to register for this workshop, please go ahead and check the show notes and you'll see in the show notes right on the top, I have the link to register for the workshop. There will be a replay available for 72 hours after. So make sure you register to join me live on August 17th. Look forward to seeing you then. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. Excited to have you guys on here today as each Friday we release a podcast, an interview of someone to share something to help you level up in some way in your life. And this week, I had the distinct honor and pleasure of interviewing Jim Rowe, and we talked all about 
the elements of the importance of writing, of having a system, why this is important. We got into his story. We discussed things about um, his book and his systematic approaches to his two books. There's a part one and a part two. And we go into part one, then we talk about the part two aspect and how this interrelates to life and the essence of it. And, and we break down some of the myths of why we're seeing a decrease, or not the myths, we're seeing a decrease in uh, our efficiency in writing and so much more. And what does that mean to our life and so forth? So I'm excited to share this one with you. I had a blast having him on. And we talked about, you know, th- just to break down who Jim really is. Jim is a marketing veteran of 45 years, started in market research after receiving his Bachelor's of Science in Marketing from Fairfield University, Connecticut. Jim has held his client and agency positions, including brand manager, Coke, VP Marketing, Cuddy Shark, President of Promotions and Intermark Divisions, Satachi Howard, Marlboro Group, plus 30 plus years as an owner of Manhattan Marketing Assemble, then Jim Rowe Marketing. Jim saw weak problem solving and communication skills among recent grads. He wasn't alone. In a pay scale study, 60% of managers say grads lack problem solving skills. 40% say they can't write. Yet 80% of grads say they're proficient in both. A skill gap, a Gallup Inside Higher Ed study showed 96% of chief academic officers say their college was effective at preparing students for work. Only 33% of managers agreed. And this is a huge, bigger uh, bigger skill gap. Cost to companies is lower productivity and required remedial training. Therefore, Jim wrote, get your ducks in a row, avoiding a traditional business writing book and inspired by well, who moved my cheese? Jim wrote a fable that's easy to read, retain, and replicate to solve problems and generate results. Book one is business writing and communication. It teaches a 10-step formula to think, write, present, and sell more effectively. Book two, learn the adapter method of strategic business communication. It teaches the holistic approach to critical thinking, communication, and execution. News about the issue is so low, it's below the radar, but it's a national crisis. Currently, solutions aren't working. Jim focuses to change that. So this is where I'm so excited to have him on and to break this down for you guys and to really get into this because it is, I'm, I've seen it. I've heard about this when I was in chiropractic school about the way we're texting and the way we're doing things, communications being way casual and we're losing the art of writing. And uh, it's been a struggle for me. Um, you know, I'm very good in science and math and being a doctor and studying holistic and all that great stuff. Very good. That extreme good formal writing. That is a nemesis to me. And I've written two books, writing number three right now. So actually, by this time, number three is already out. But anywho, I digress. Here is my wonderful interview with Jim Rowe. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Vic. Um, excited to have you on. I was looking at you, what you're up to, what you're doing, your books and everything. And I was like, I can have a really nice conversation with this guy. I would love to uh, really pick your brain and share with the listeners uh, what you're up to, your perspective on things and so much more. So uh, before we do get into all that good stuff, I I wanted to, my listeners know I like to ask this question. How did you get into this journey, this story that what you're doing today? What's the background to to what you're up to at this moment? Okay. Well, um, it really starts in college because I went to Fairfield University, um, uh, which is a Jesuit school in Connecticut. And I started out as a math major and it was the seventies and I partied my brains out the, <laughs> the first semester. And so I started second semester having to relearn the first semester of calculus. And I called my father and said, what should I do? And he said, you should be in marketing. He worked at Lever Brothers. And so since I was 18 and a quarter years old, that's what I focused on. And um, as much as school was great, you know, those Jesuits, they really teach you how to think critically and they're very big on communication. When I got into, I started out in research and then I I went to uh, a company and I was in the research department of Laurel Art. 
And the, um, the creative, uh, the research director took me in one day and he said to me, uh, I know I promised, I made you promise to me that you'll stay in research before I move you over to the brand marketing department for two years. But there's a woman there that just got um, uh, an opening and I can't let you miss her. So I'm telling you about my first boss in marketing because she's the hero of the book. And her name is uh, Connie Humphrey. And uh, she taught me, she was a, she grew up in the Bronx. She went to Sarah Lawrence. She spent junior year at the uh, London School of Economics, another year in London, and then got her a dual MBA from Columbia in marketing and finance, went to Colgate Palmolive and got her classical track, uh, uh, package goods training. And I was the fortunate one to become her assistant brand manager. And she taught me about, you know, the beauty of marketing to me and why I've always loved it since I got into it was it's about strategic thinking and analysis, and I'm good at numbers, and then creativity um, and figuring out strategies that are going to do. So it's all about this whole process of critical thinking, solving problems, and then communicating them. And, you know, if you're in marketing, you spend, I remember, what is it, Malcolm Gladwell says 10,000 hours. Well, I passed 10,000 hours when I was in my 30s or 40s. We write and we communicate and we think all day long in marketing. Everybody does. So that's kind of my journey. That's the first part. Love that. And so what is one thing that you enjoy the most about marketing? Is it just the, the number crunching and things like that? Like, what's the one thing you get the most joy from? I, I love uh, working with my clients and then taking the, I mean, I'm, I probably is, I'm the strongest in branding and rebranding. So I've done a lot of repositioning and that is a very exciting process where you take a company that was named one thing or a brand that was named up one something, doing the analysis, going through research. I've moderated hundreds, not hundreds, but certainly scores of focus groups and getting the realizing this is what we need to say and then moving it into the marketplace and having it work. So that whole process to me is a lot of fun. Love that. Totally love it, especially when you have, because you got to reposition. It's like a company starting not all over again, but like just shifting their whole vision and their, you know, the whole rebranding and the direction they're going to go from there, from what they were doing. That that takes a lot of work, but to turn that around and then see it prosper and, and get the fruitation, you know, harvest your 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 labor and so forth. That that uh, that's an exciting process. Yeah, it's pretty cool to walk into a uh, grocery store and see a brand sitting on a shelf going, I did that. Or walking down the street and seeing a hotel with a new brand on their on their building going, you know, I, or I shouldn't say I, because it's a lot of people that get involved. You know, we did that, but that that is to me one of the greatest things about marketing. And, and then just the ability to go into all these different companies. Um, you know, over the years, some people stay with a company like my father, 40 years. I've been in and out of companies, you know, I've probably been in and out of 40 companies. You know, it's it's a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. So I always love asking this question sometimes when people write a book, you know, what, what, who did you write the book for? And I know you have two books. Um, uh, and, and, and I'm curious, you know, we can go with one, we can go with both of them, but, uh, well, they're two in a series. Okay. So the, why, why did you end up writing the book? Well, uh, thank you for that question because it was in the early 2000s, two things happened that made me write this. One is there was a book called Who Moved My Cheese that came out. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And um, it, it was brilliant because it was a, I don't know, a hundred page uh, fable about two ducks and uh, two mice and two men. And, uh, you know, the net takeaway of that book, I don't remember anything other than the names of the men were Hem and Haw. And at the end of the day, they said, um, you, you know, change happens, learn to adapt. 
You walk away from that. So I told my daughter and my kids about this book. And every now and then she's a, she was a TV. She's got kids now. She was a TV reporter. And she called me up on the way home and saying, there's all these changes at her corporation. She said, Daddy, the cheese is flying all over the place. So, you know, um, I love that that concept. So one that happened. Secondly, I started noticing the, the young people and we were pretty good. We were three marketing guys. So we, we really, uh, when we hired new grads every spring, we would make sure they had communication and marketing degrees, and good GPAs and internships. And then they'd get there and I'd say, okay, we have this problem. Can you write me a quick brief on the problem? And they'd stare at you. And some of them would try it, and, but for the most part, they weren't good at it. So then I'd take out the, the quote, the structured format, the 10-step uh, uh, formula, and then I'd show it to them. And I'd show them how they, they could uh, do it. And it really is a great discipline process. They got to see how you think through a problem. And literally, most people, you know, uh, Jack Welch, most people want the answer on one page. And if you do this right, you can get the answer on one page. So I started thinking if I ever did a book, that's what I was going to do it about. And then I started to do it. And then for a long story, which I won't go through, I lost it on a flash stick when I pulled it out. So that was two. Yes. Tell me about it. That was 2006. And so I put it away saying, Somebody's telling me not to do the universe is telling me not to do this. In 2016, after 27 years at the agency, I decided to retire and I started looking into doing it again. But I also started looking into is there any research? Is this just me? And I found a lot of research. Um, and it's not, it's still under the radar. But um, there are three big studies that have been done since, let's say, 2015, 2016 that show that. Um, you know, between, depending upon the study, 45 and 75% of managers out there don't believe that uh, recent grads can think critically or communicate effectively, particularly in writing. So that's part one of the problem. The second part of the problem is in those same studies, they also interviewed students and recent grads. And 80% of the students think they're quite proficient at both of those things. So that is referred to as the skills gap. And now there's a book that came out about it. I mean, this is a big issue, but nobody's talking about it. It's under the radar. So clearly things aren't working and something needs to be addressed. Why do you think that there's managers think that just new grads do that? It's like, is there just a, is it just a thought process or is it actually, you know, is there truth behind it or is it just a complete myth and it's just a perspective? Well, I, I can tell you it's not a complete myth. I And I think part of the problem is, so that goes me really to my next point, which is I started looking, is there any research on how the education world feels about this? I've never been in education. And I found that the, uh, there was a, the last time I found the study, it was 2011. It's called the Nation's Report Card on Writing. And what they found is it, uh, 73% of eighth graders and 12th graders were below proficient in writing. And freshmen in college, 60%. But still, seniors in college, were 40% of them were below proficient. The issue is we're not really teaching writing. So what this led me to do is I found an organization. It's pretty cool. It's called the nationalwritingproject.org, nwp.org. And I contacted them and said, I'm writing a book on, on what you people do. And they are teachers teaching teachers to teach writing. And I've listened to some of their podcasts and they admit as teachers that they don't, they don't get trained to teach writing. So they're all trying to working together and, and par, you know, parlay their skills and say, let's, what's working the best. So I think there's an issue is that we're really not, we're really not teaching this, this writing process, which is why I think 
you know, what I'm proposing is going to be very helpful because, um, and I've started to talk to some of these folks about it with my, my thoughts, and I'll get into that in a moment, but um, they need some help, and, and I think I have a way to help them give it to them. And before we go into that, I want to just then, because, you know, we talked about the managers having some, there's, there's you shared this, the, the stats that there is definitely some uh, support behind yes. the research, behind to support their opinion. Is there any support or research to support the students in, in their opinion, saying that 80% of them are efficient in that? Well, it's just their point of view. They think they're good. And this comes down to the, um, and by the way, I don't know whether you've spoken to people, but if I talk to people about what I'm doing and this book, people will say, oh, yeah, they really need help. They're really bad. So there's this, you know, under the radar, everybody kind of knows it uh, and it talks about it. That's not everybody, of course, but there's a big percentage of them. But I feel that the um, it's kind of what it's sort of a weird thing. I'm thinking about calling this the don't take it for granted tour because just because we can, we all speak, we all think, we all, you know, communicate right. We think that we're good at it. We're fine. You know, we know how to do this. And um, the issue is, and the, the best example I could give is both Tiger Woods and I play golf. Tiger's a little better than I am. Um, and he's a lot better, obviously. And and I'm frankly off. But the, you know, just because we do it doesn't mean we're good at it. Think about what these pro golfers do. They they are not only trained and they got every little nuance of discipline about how to do it well, but that you always see them at what? At the practice range. And they have coaches. And, you know, I think, you know, I talk about these skills of business. Uh, they call them the soft skills in business. You know, these are the things we need. I view them as the life skills, how to think and how to communicate. And I think that's what, and I think people just take it for granted and we can't take it for granted. We've now have a generation that has been trained and not, that has not been properly trained in this. You know, when I was in chiropractic school, we were talking, uh, coming from the neuro neurological side of things and just talking about, um, we talked about these kind of issues that were showing up because how really? do people text message? How do they communicate? Look at the conversations. The grammar is horrible, what they're using. And it's like, you're going to condition yourself to go in that realm. I've written two books. I'm a horrible writer when it comes to grammatical stuff. I'm just, I just am. I'm, it's, I'm not, yeah. I'm a, if you, if you go into math, you go into science, you go into the, the, the health world, that is my dominance. But when you go into writing, I'm like, yeah, I never liked writing. It was never fun for me, but that's what editors are for. I mean, I've gotten better over the time. I've, you know, it's when, as we're talking, I'm like, writing coach, next book I write, writing coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people feel that way. And, and, and you're right. I think technology, people ask me a lot, is technology doing it? I think it's made us comfortable with being casual. And I, I think the, the idea of trying to refine it and edit it down so that it is crystal clear and short and persuasive, I think that is something that they're not uh, enforcing and teaching enough. I think the saying goes, is that brevity is brilliance. Yeah, right? that's great. Yep. And, and it's one of those things where I had a coach before, before I had a coach before I even came out of school and he always just say brevity is brilliance, just brevity is brilliance. And I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Uh, now I've, I talked to him on and off and I'm like, you know what, from now on my next book, I'm going to write cause I'm writing one right now, but I'm like, that one's not going to be short and concise and straight to the point. But my next one though, I'm going to attempt it. I'm going to try to do it under hundred pages and see if I can nail it down to a point. Just here it is short, sweet and done with it. 
Well, you know, actually, both of my books, while they're probably 125 pages, the actual, uh, you know, because there's all these other upfront pages and the back pages, they're probably around 100 pages. I mean, in total, one is 126 and the other is 135. So I agree with that. I think the other thing that's kind of interesting that I, my phrase that I've been using, um, and I actually have it on my letterhead, is to write is to think. And, you know, um, we all promote reading and reading is important. But, you know, when you think about it, reading is passive. Somebody's already done all the hard work. Writing is where the rubber meets the road that separates the men from the boys, or whatever those phrases are. Writing causes you to think. And uh, I just think it's something that is so critical that it'll help you. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. And it's despite how good we are, we're just like those golfers. We, I, everything, I write every day. I'm constantly editing. You just got to edit. It's important. So true. And I like, I like how you talked about the whole writing aspect too, because it's, uh, this is where like things like journaling comes in. It doesn't have to, you know, just to express and write uh, in a certain way, but there's a neurological aspect to it because when we write with our hands, we stimulate all parts of our brain um, where, you know, some people think like if you write on a computer, you're not getting all of it because you're mainly using your four fingers. You may hit the, you may hit the space bar from time to time, but uh, compared to a writing, you're actually well, using the dexterity of it all and so forth. Uh, and I wonder if there's some similarity to that, but so what are some things then that, you know, let's say there's a, a new grad listening to this and going, well, I think I'm great at this, but you know what, maybe, maybe I need to work a little harder on this. How do we solve that gap in that problem? Well, um, I'm going to get to the book. The one thing I do want to say, which is kind of interesting before I talk about the book, because I think the book will do that, is this is an interesting marketing problem for me because my end target are the students and those recent grads that are working. Uh, and maybe throughout the organization, because we all know there are people uh, older than recent grads that aren't great at it. But uh, in order to reach the students, because they think they're good at it, they're not going to go on to Amazon and buy a business book, business writing book. I need to get to both the educators and I have to get to the uh, CEOs and or the HR trainers. So I have to go through to convince them to, you know, to sell down. So it's kind of an interesting problem. But what I did is I created a book. And it's a fable, and it's called Get Your Ducks in a Row, and the word R-O-W is spelled with my last name, R-O-W-E. Um, and, you know, I could say I was a brilliant branding guy, but quite frankly, I was looking to try and get the URL. The first 10 years, I didn't have that. So um, the, the book is about ducks in business. It's a fable, and I created it. And it's uh, two ducks in business and the, the flying bee. And, and you know, my uh, old boss is Connie Humphrey. In the book, she's Connie Duckfree. And um, and I literally just saw her last week in Florida. And I gave her a little gift of the of the book and a picture of the you know the two ducks and and I, you know what I did the book and the and the fable because people learn better through stories. And I've had a few people say to me, "It's kind of simple, isn't it?" You know, I mean, really, do you think business people are going to want to read it? And my my response to that is, "Simple is the point." You know, it's 10 steps. You walk away from those business books and I'm telling you, I read them all and I take notes and I dictate notes and I finish them and they all kind of go together and they're all nuances. This is a 10 step process 
that you literally take. And, and in fact, when I'm targeting the, and I'll be glad to say what the process is. You start with who are you talking to? You know, <laughs> what's the audience? And what are you trying to do with them? What are you trying to convince them to do? You're trying to get them to buy something or to approve something, whatever it is. So that's the purpose. The next step is the background. What does this person know and what do they need to know in order to make decisions? Then you go through the issues. What are the problems we're facing? Okay, so now you know what the problems are. What are your objectives and make sure there are metrics in them? That leads you to, okay, how are we going to do that? Which is the strategies, right? So, and that's where the, that's where the really smart people go. So how do we fix the strategies? That's where creative thinking comes in and then go through the next steps, which are more sort of executional and tactical. But if you can uh, put those 10 steps together, and what's interesting is when I was talking to the folks from National Writers Project, it's not up yet, but will be next week. I've created under the books in my website, I've created a teacher's page because if they get a, a student to read the book and understand the process through the book, because it's a teaching tool, then give them assignments for how to raise money for the Boy Scouts or how to, you know, um, you know, go on a class trip and then raise money for something else. This could be used in life. I mean, my I had I used to have a person say to me, Do you talk to your family with this use of objectives and strategies? And I said, sometimes. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I think if they get the book, you know, book one is all about this 10 step process. And, um, you know, for the educators, it's, uh, you know, give them assignments once they read the book. Now, let's practice it. Let's think of different assignments that they use. For the managers, it's, you know, implement this. I've had a bunch of sales guys that I know that read the book call me and said, I think I can use this with my team. There's never an agenda. People are all over the place. Well, make sure they follow this format. You know, this is the kind of thing you hand to a Jack Welch and say, here's it. Here it is. One page. This is what we want. I think that's, um, it's real critical. You have to have that system in place. I love the 10 steps of what you're doing here because I remember um, when I was first starting into getting to speaking more and, and I was going to get a speaker, speaking coach and so forth. And I told him, I'm like, I'm, I'm good at speaking. I can get up there. I wing yeah. it. I, I have a flow. I get a thought and I'm good. And it usually works in my favor. And he's like, no, not at all. You need, we're going to change that. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to show you a system. Now he goes, you can still do everything you were doing, but I'm going to show you a system of how I want you to approach it. So that yes. way you're always coming with that, but you can still do everything else you do, but you're going to make sure you, you have a flow in your back mind working. And I was like, all right, let me give it a shot. And all of a sudden it like 10 X everything I did. And I was just like, wow. So having that type of process and writing, that's something I'm like even sitting to myself going, yeah, that's an idea. That's definitely something smart and definitely something to keep you. Well, you know, that that's, that's perfect because, uh, and, and it's a great segue because one of the, the values that I feel is not only does it structure your thinking, but as an executive, you know, moving up in my career, once I had that in my head, I would walk into any room with anybody. And then, you know, when I got on the agency side, I'd be going in and dealing with CEOs. There's a lot of them in the early days were a lot older than I was. And I would, I would be able to think on my feet. I'd be, I didn't have to, you know, have a sheet to read. I knew what the 10 steps were and I'd be able to say, okay, so what's the problem? What's the business? You know, what are you dealing with? Do you have this? And you can, you, you, as you just said, you have the system in place so you can think on your feet. And that's really, I, I had, in fact, Connie said to me, you're not just teaching them to write, you're teaching them to think. And I think that's, that's the difference between my books and a lot of the other books because people aren't taught to think. No, and the other thing too that you do with your book that I wanted to mention that I think is very powerful and it's something that um, we as humans, what moves us, what helps with memory and all these type of things is stories. 
And, yeah. you know, I think of a book that wasn't a business book that I read. I don't even know if it was a business book. I think it was a spiritual book. It was a life, it was a life meaning book. Let's just put it that right. way. Um, and I've read tons of those. And But this one was all about a boy and a story. And as you go through it, I can still remember the thing of that book. And I read that like three years ago. I had even had the, the author on, my, my, on, my, uh, on, the, on the podcast. But it's just the storyline of what he did and the stories and the different things that the person went through. I was like, that, that was just resonating. And if you look at, look what the Bible is. You know, you look at all the parables Absolutely. that were told, right? All the stories that were shared. You look at other religion, by, you know, scriptures and so forth that they have. They're it's stories. stories. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where you're, you know, doing a, doing that. Cause I've read the heavy business books too. And it's kind of like, man, I got to write all these notes. I can't memorize this. I'm like, this is a lot. And I know, and I know memory hacks, like I can learn how to like associate with this. And I'm like, but this is just too much. And I'm like trying to take it all down and half the time you don't implement it. Well, that's it. And so what I refer to the teachers, I, I am using the phrase, it's a practical teaching tool and, and it worked for me. And I put it this way. I've been, I'm 67. I worked in marketing for 45 years. I know it works at, at the end of the day. And it's nothing that a million other marketing people don't know, but nobody else is coming out and, you know, focusing on it. I have the benefit of being semi-retired so I can, I can focus on it now, you know? And so what the, the, the next part really, which is interesting is I got through this whole thing and I finished and I'm like, okay, I'm going to publish it. And this was last summer. Um, and I thought, I, you know, I, I want to put an appendix because I got to do a couple of things. So I started writing all these thoughts about the appendix that I wanted to add. And as time went on, I realized I'm I'm building another book here. And it was it was almost the process of critical thinking from, you know, doing the research and understanding things and coming to conclusions. But it needed it needed a an umbrella theme because I'm a branding guy. And I ended up creating an acronym. And so uh, book two is the same, you know, head title, which is Get Your Ducks in a Row. And but what I did is I call it Learn the Adapter Method. And adapter stands for analyze, deduce, author, perform, not present, tackle or execute, evaluate and refine. That's the holistic business cycle. And we all go through it but I've been doing it for 40 some odd years. So what I do is I give my thoughts on, and it's, it can, it's a continuation of the story. Connie graduated from Columbia. Well, Connie Duckfree graduated from um, Columbia Duck University in, in New York. And so she goes and she makes a presentation to the students and they, you know, and they, you know, she takes them through the, the, each chapter is one of those letters. And I think the word adapter is important because that's what life is all about. And that's what marketing is all about. You need to learn and adapt. And so it is really a more in-depth analysis of the whole critical thinking process. No, I love that. Yeah. And life is all about adapting and, and, and you share something too, because it's like, you know, there are certain truths that just exist. Like if you look at, we talk about Tiger Woods or uh, Michael Jordan or Steph, Stephen Curry or Tom Brady, right? And everyone's right. like, well, what's the big things you have to do to get to that, be that person? If you really study them, they're doing the most simple truths. Like I remember hearing about Stephen, Stephen Curry and uh, they'd be like, yeah, when the guys are out just relaxing, playing video games, unwinding, there's no practice. He's out there practicing his dribbling skills, making sure he's got his dribbling the way he wants it to be. Uh, Michael Jordan misses a shot. He goes back and redoes the same shot over and over, just trying to figure out his mechanics of the little tweaks he has to do. Or Tiger Woods messes up and what does he do? He goes and practices the same swing. It's just basic principles. And yet those are what I call truths and things because it's like,
like we we try to look for all the big stuff. And I'm not saying it's not important or like the new things that are showing up, but it's like there's also the the principles of truth that you know they they've been around for eons and they'll be around for eons. They never go away. Absolutely. Um, and you have it in marketing. I do this in business mindset coaching where I you know I've studied so many different arenas of stuff. And I'm like, there's a simple truth that nobody, everybody's going to this instead. If you just go here, not saying that's not important, that is important, but it's like, this is like 80% of where you want to be and then spend the other 20 on those kind of things. Does that kind of resonate with your work and what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. And and, you know, there's another factor too. Um, You just mentioned it when you said some of the guys were doing uh, uh, video games, you know, I, I put in 60 and 70 hour weeks for 40 years too. Um, you know, I would, I, we had an office in Manhattan. I'm out on Long Island. So I would get up at uh, 10 to six uh, by six 30. I was in the car by seven 30. I was in the city at my office and I didn't leave until seven 15 at night. You know, this, this is not for the faint of heart. If you really want to be good at something and you want to be, build a business, you also need to work your tail off it. You, and I, I remember a young account person coming into me, we were working with what our hotel client on a very important, they were pitching to try and, you know, get a hotel. And so this is all the senior people and the owners and the finance people and the outside consultants. And I, we were putting the book together for them. And I said, where are we? You need to write something to let them know what the status is. And she came in and it was terrible. And I I brought her in. I said, look at this. And, And she was like, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I was like, you know, that's, you need to work hard. You need to, you need to care. You know, at the end of the day, when I'm preparing for you, I mean, it took me hours to before I started podcasting, days probably, before I started putting my pitch to you folks together because I needed to understand what my my flow was. So I think that's a big part of it as well. You need to you need to commit to being able to be the person to do it. You know, Thomas Edison, you know, he said he wasn't a genius. He didn't fail. He just found 10,000 ways it didn't work. All you need is that one way. You just, you yeah. know, it's yeah. like uh, Steve Harvey says, you know, he, he goes, I've been on so many pitches. I've been on over 200 pitches for shows and things like that. He goes, you oh. didn't hear about all my failures. He goes, yeah. I've only had seven of them that worked. Yeah. He goes, you hear yeah. about those, but you never hear about the other hundreds that I failed at. Well, in my career, I was accounting one day. I, I think I brought in over 25 accounts. Some of them are tiny. Some of them are pretty big. Um, and I didn't start until I was 35 to be on the agency side. But I probably pitched 250 of them, you know, uh, and, and, just, and I sometimes regret all the time. And that's why you work so hard, because you do the client's work during the day and you pitch new business at night. And it's one of those things, you know, and again, it's just building those habits up of, of you know, that's where the, the time comes in or like the uh, Malcolm Gladwell, you write 10,000 hours to master something. That's the minimum, they say. And it, it, to get to that point to do that, just like what you're sharing in your systems and so forth, it's you, the more you practice it, the more you do it, the better you get at it, the more efficient you get with it. Or just like your message, right? Same thing with uh, I've been rebranding my message and what I do um, to get more into actually the essence of what I do. And it's like, I've been, and I, what did I do? I just started pitching and pitching and pitching. And then I'm like, I didn't like the way that energy felt when I said this. I didn't like this. And then you just start fine tuning it. And then you're like, ah, that's me. And it's like, I sit yeah. back and I go six months later, I'm like, I would have never thought that would have been it. But yeah, that, that is me though. That is what I do. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Now I'm ready to move forward. 
And that's the beauty of the concept of adapting, because when I my first podcast was probably uh, six, eight weeks ago, and and I, I finished it and everybody said it went well, and the, the, the folks were pleased and people that I shared it with because it was my first one. So it was great. My pitch has some of the core, but it's very different. And I think what's interesting is the one that I really hit upon of recent is this concept of people taking things for granted, uh, taking communication and writing and thinking for granted. And that's when I actually just popped into my head because I was trying to trying to hit a nine iron one day, and I'm th- I started thinking about uh, you know how Tiger Woods doesn't make the mistakes I make, and and it really is a it's a disciplined uh, approach. So, um, and I think it, be- it makes you become very. Um, if you like to learn or like to continue to improve, I've been playing guitar since I was 12. I went to a jam night the other night. And some of these people there can just, and I can jam, but some of these people sit down and, and they're just, it's mind boggling how good they are. Now, some of it is innate talent that I'll never have, but some of it is these folks worked at it. I work, I play guitar every day and I'm still not where I want to be. I like how you bring that up. Yeah. It's amazing. Sometimes you can see people just do their craft and you're just like, how do they do that? You know, yes. and then I try, I've tried guitar and I'm just, I, I just, it just, I just didn't put enough practice into it, but there's, there's certain things where I'm just like, it just blows my mind how they can just do it. Yes. Uh, in fact, my wife, I, cause I always come home from those things that come somewhat depressed. I'm like, I just can't believe these people can do it and I can, I can do it, but I can't do it as well as they can. And, and her comment to me was, well, Donnie, who's the guy who leads the whole thing and he plays He's played, uh, he taught me guitar, you know, uh, improvisation 25, 35 years ago, but he also plays the organ. He played drums in one of my bands. I mean, he plays everything and he tunes his guitar by ear. And she said, but that's all he does. He didn't start an agency. He didn't write a, raise a family. He didn't do any of these other things. So you have to give yourself some, <laughs> some slack every now and then. You have to, you have to love it. So real quick, Jim, where can people find your books? Get a hold of you, follow you, see what you're up to, what you're doing, and all the great things. Well, the best place is to go to my website, and it's uh, very simple. It's Jim Rowe, R-O-W-E, Jim Rowe Marketing.com. Uh, and look at books under there. And you know, it's my it's my agency website, but as time has gone on, I've split it half into agency and half into, and I only take on one client at a time these days. Um, so I have one client I'm having fun with, and then I have the whole book section, and it breaks it down. By next week, we'll have um, not only a, a te- within books, we'll have a teacher's section, and then we'll have a, a corporate section or a manager or a trainer section. So I'm trying to, because the way you talk to each, and even a student section, is, is very different, but they're available on Amazon uh, at one at a time under get your ducks in a row, or um, I'm building in, you know, for teachers and managers, if you buy certain quantities, uh, there'll be bulk uh, discounts. Awesome. And for all the listeners, I will have that in the show notes for you guys. Uh, Jim, this was awesome. I love what you're doing, my friend. Appreciate the Thank work you. you're doing and uh, taking some time to share with us and all the mindful experiment uh, listeners uh, of your great work and, and helping people to write better because that's, uh, yeah, we take away, th- take some things away that are granted and we need to definitely have a system in place to make us more effective in many different ways of our life. And it, it impacts everything. So thank you very much. I've, I've enjoyed it and I appreciate it, Dr. Wick. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.